ever have problems in your life, troubles? What do you do? You're going along and things are going well and all of a sudden you forgot to put the plug in the boat. Anybody ever do that? And your boat starts. I was with the guy. We were driving in his boat. So I forgot the plug and water's coming in. And fortunately, he's able to go fast enough that the water would uh, not get in. But if we stopped when we were going down and I was hoping don't let his engine quit. But, you know, sometimes life's going along and all of a sudden the plug pulls out. Or the bottom drops out. And and, and what do you do? How do you keep together when your world's falling apart? And Jesus said, in this world, we would have what? Trouble. We're going to have, if you live in this world, you will have troubles. There will be problems. And just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles. Anybody discovered that? If someone tells you when you come to Jesus, everything's going to be roses and, and, and rainbows and never be any problems, They're not telling you the truth. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that me may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. But don't stop there. But be of good cheer or take heart. I've what? Overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. He's bigger than your troubles. He's bigger than your problems. So when they come our way, what are you going to do? The Bible says in in Psalms that uh, in Job... Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Anybody sit around a fire, watch the sparks? Where do they go? They go up. Man's born for trouble. It's just part of living in a world. We live in a fallen world. One day we're going to live in a place where there'll be no trouble or sorrow or pain. But right now we're in this world. So what do you do when troubles come your way and problems come your way? And there's a a guy in the Bible that I really appreciate who had some troubles in his life. And I think we can gain some examples from him. Um, His trouble was this. He had been uh, in a country called Israel, and his country had been captured by an enemy, transported to another country as hostages, basically. And his country was wiped out, and everything was destroyed, his country of Israel and Jerusalem. And he was in this foreign country, and he got a job in the foreign country, but he was always wondering about how things were back in Israel because a group of people had gone back to Israel, the king of the country that took him captive. Um, uh, they were captured by another country, and that country said, you can go back to Israel. So a whole bunch of Israelites go back to Israel, and they get back to Jerusalem, and there's nothing there, Tom. It's just level ground. And there used to be a beautiful temple there. Life used to be good. And all of a sudden, life wasn't very good. And these guys went back there, and they said, well, we got to do something. And they started rebuilding the temple. They got the temple rebuilt, but it was nothing like the original temple. In fact, Lloyd, the older guys that had seen the original temple, said they wept when they saw the new one because it was nothing like the original. But at least they had a temple. And in this temple, um, you know, it was being built, And some guys who had been in Jerusalem looking at the temple came back to where this guy was, and they got to him. And the first thing he said, how are things back home in Jerusalem? How is it doing in Israel? I really want to know. And the answer he got wasn't that great. The guy's name was Nehemiah. And Hananiah, one of his brothers, came from Judah, from Israel, with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant. 
that survived exile. I asked him about Jerusalem. Then he said to me, those who survived exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. It was a, it was a disaster back in Jerusalem. The temple was up, but there was no wall. There was no gates. The people were in great distress and trouble. And when Nehemiah heard that, his world just kind of fell apart. And the first thing he did was he sat down and what? Wept. You ever sat down and wept? When something's going on, I mean, it's just overwhelming. It's all right. It's all right to feel the pain. It's all right to empathize. Sometimes we're told, you know, just suck it in. No, God made us emotional people. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem, it says he wept and said, how many times would I gather you like a hen would gather chicks, but you wouldn't. When he heard Lazarus died, it says the shortest verse in the Bible says what? Jesus wept. He showed compassion. And there's a time when the world comes crashing down. It's all right to cry. It's all right to feel the pain. Ever have someone tell you this? You shouldn't feel that way. What do you want to do? You know, just want to hit them. That's how I feel. Never tell anybody who's in pain and crisis that they shouldn't feel that way. They probably wouldn't feel that way if they had a choice, but that's how they feel. And Nehemiah heard about the trashing of Jerusalem, and he just sat down and began to weep and to empathize with those people, his brothers and sisters who were going through trouble. And that's what God calls us to do sometimes, is just come alongside people and, and weep with them. The Bible says it's time to weep. And there's a time to rejoice. And this was a time of weeping. But don't just stop with the weeping. Nehemiah could have wept till he died. But he did something very important. He wept for a few days, and then he did the next best thing. Spend time in earnest prayer about it. He began to pray. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He got a good cry. Things are going terrible. Things go terrible in your life. Have a good cry, but don't stop there. And then he said, for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Don't just drown yourself in your sorrows in the middle of that problem. Those sorrows begin to cry out to God, even when you don't feel like it. Do you feel like crying out to God when your world falls apart? Sometimes you're mad at God. Sometimes you're, what's going on, God? Those are the times where you really need, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to call on you because I know you're God. You may even get angry at God. Do you think God can handle your anger? God, I'm mad at you. He goes, I still love you. God, I don't understand. I still love you. But God, I still love you. I'm here for you. When troubles come your way, you're not alone. I'm there with you in the midst of it. And even though you don't understand, there used to be an old song we sang, I don't need to understand what? Just take his hand. Remember that one? I don't need to understand. Just take his hand and he'll lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll lead you through the trials and the temptations. Cry out to God. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
And he got on his face and cried out to God. You ever done that? Been on your face? Just crying out to God? Crying out for your sons and your daughters if they're struggling? Crying out for your friends, your family? Crying out for people, a nation? Just crying out. Laying prostrate before God. And God hears that. And that's what Nehemiah did. And the Bible says we need to do that. Because a prayer of a righteous person, a person who's right with God, is powerful and effective. Your prayers make a difference. Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you don't see it for years. Sometimes you'll wonder if it's doing anything. But your prayers make a difference. Prayer isn't laying hold of God's reluctance. It's laying a hold on his willingness. God wants to move. And when we pray, God listens. One time there was a demon-possessed man and the disciples tried to cast the demon out and they had no success. And Jesus said, this kind comes out by nothing but by what? Prayer and some translations say fasting. Sometimes the only thing that's going to move that mountain is serious prayer and fasting. He's saying, I'm going to set aside food. I'm going to set aside time and I'm going to intercede And I'm not going to let go until God moves. And he will. And he has in many of your lives, in many situations. And God delights when we cry out to him because he hears. And so he spent time in earnest prayer. Actually, he spent about four months in prayer, if you read the story. And, And after four months, he was praying waiting for God to do something and God was doing things he didn't even know about and and God was at work as he prayed. But it's not enough just to pray. Because after he prayed this prayer, and it's an awesome prayer, read Nehemiah's prayer. When he prayed, he prayed, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. He knew he was praying to. God, you're great and you're awesome. And I confess that we've blown it. We haven't obeyed your decrees. That's why we got kicked out of the country in the first place. But remember, God, that you promised that you would bring us back to that place. And your servants, your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Oh, Lord, listen to my prayer. The prayer of your servants to delight in revering your name. And he cried out to God. He, he confessed what he had done wrong and prayed out, God, would you please move by your power and spirit and make a difference in Jerusalem and just cried out for four months he prayed waiting and praying on his face but he didn't just stop with prayer he did something do what you can do do what you can do to help bring that world that problem to an end do what you can do someone said pray as if everything depends on you Willie Oh, pray as if everything depends on God, not on will. It won't work. Pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. So pray, seek God's face, but then work and do your part to help answer that prayer. You know, God, I, I really need this to happen. And God hears your prayer, but there's an opportunity for you to do something. And I heard about a guy one time, headlines read, uh, Harriet read, God will not pay the rent. And I said, what do you mean God won't pay the rent? And this guy refused to pay his rent. And when the landlord went to him, Jerry, 
He said, come on, pay me rent. And the guy said, no, God told me he'd pay the rent. Well, he hasn't paid it yet. Shh, give up, you know. <laughs> Don't expect God to do the things that you can do. Pay the rent. God may help you get the money to pay the rent, but he also may have you go do something to get the money to pay the rent. You know, God will work with you. So do what you can do. So Nehemiah prayed after four months, uh, give your servant success today by granting favor in the presence of the man, of this man, the man. I like that, but of the man. The man was the king. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He had this really cool job. He got to taste the wine before the king drank it. And if it had poison, Nehemiah would die. King would be okay. And then he'd get a new, uh, new cupbearer, you know. So they were dispendable. But you had to be trusted by the king because the cupbearer could, you know, put the poison in after he tastes the non-poison and then slip it in and get the king. So Nehemiah was in a trusted position. But Nehemiah was in a position where he could do something to help with the problem in Jerusalem. Even though he was thousands of miles away, he wept and he cried. He prayed and he fasted and then he got up and did something. What he did was pretty bold. He went into the king with the cup of wine and when he was in that room, look what happened. He said, I took the wine and gave it to the king and I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, what does your face look, why does your face look sad? You're not ill. Are you not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was much afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. You don't go into the king's presence looking sad. The king only wants happy people around him. If you're going to be sad, don't come to my throne because I'm liable to have you executed because I don't like sadness. You know, king wants everything happy, you know. And so he came in looking down. Hanging his head, sad. And the king said, what's going on? And he said, oh, king, live forever. Good thing to say before you talk to him. King, live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what do you want? <laughs> the king knew he wanted something. But look at the boldness. He could have been killed for looking sad, but... King said, why are you looking sad? Because Jerusalem's in dis being destroyed. How can I help? The king said. And then he really got bold. And the king said to me, what does you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. When you're going to ask the king for stuff, pray first. And he prayed to the God of heaven. He asked the king, king, if it pleases you, uh, I'd like to go back to uh, Judah where my fathers are uh, buried so I can rebuild it. I want to go back and rebuild the walls. And the queen was sitting there. Every king has a queen. And the queen said, how long is it going to take? And I guess it worked out and the king, it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time, I don't know, six months, whatever. I got to be gone to do this thing. And it pleased the king. king said, okay, you can go. Nehemiah was on a roll. He said, I'm not going to stop. I really want to get this problem resolved. So he said this. I also said to him, uh, and by the way, king, uh, why rat it? Uh, can you have the governors give me letters so I can have safe conduct? And oh, oh yeah, while we're thinking about it, how about a letter from the keeper of the forest? He'll give me timber and beams for the gates. And, and, uh, and also, uh, you know, uh, I would also might need some uh, cavalry and army to go with me. And he asked for all these things, being bold. And the king granted my request. He got wood, from the king, 
He got safe conduct letters. And the last line says, "Army." the king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Here's the cupbearer. He's got this huge problem. He weeps and cries to God. He prays to God and God blesses in a way you never would expect it. Ever that ever happened to you? You have that problem. You pray and all of a sudden God begins to do things that you know are God things. I mean, there's no way the king's going to give him wood. I mean, wood's expensive. The king gave him all the wood he needed to go rebuild the city. He gave him cavalry and officers. Imagine Nehemiah riding in Jerusalem. Here comes the cavalry, all the wood, and the people there must have been so excited and so uh, you know, amazed at what God was doing. So he did something. Expect opposition, though. When you begin to see God move in a problem that you're dealing with, someone's going to get in the way. Something's going to get in the way. It's not going to always go smooth. And that's what happened. When Zambelet the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite heard about this, they were much disturbed at somebody come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. There was a guy there named Zambelet and Tobiah, and they didn't want the Jews to rebuild the city. They heard about it. They were upset, and they were going to do something. Expect opposition. It happens. You guys that have been through problems, things are going well, and then you get a setback. Don't let that discourage you. Keep on keeping on. The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody know who the thief is? Satan. That's his plan for you. He's going to rip you off. He's going to destroy you, and if he can, he's going to kill you. It's a lie. Lies is all he speaks. You're going to be killed. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be ripped off. The truth is from Jesus. I've come that you may have what? Life and have it how? More abundantly, more to the full. I've come that you might have life. The, the liar, Satan, has come to steal and kill and destroy. Zambolet and Tobiah wanted to keep Nehemiah from getting to where God wanted him to go. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And when you're going through a trial and everything is dark and black, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Because this can be so dark, you're going to look around, I don't see God, I don't feel God, I don't care. He still loves you. He still has a plan for your life. He still has a purpose. And when you're in those darkest moments, remember and hang on to that promise. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Didn't stop Nehemiah. He kept going. First thing he did was get the facts. When you got issues and problems, get the facts. You ever have something here about, you know, maybe there's a prayer request and so-and-so was in a car wreck. They're in critical condition, being rushed somewhere, and they have all this... You know, it's been passed around to pray for. And then you, you maybe call someone that knows a person. Well, they really didn't, aren't in critical condition. And they really didn't go to Harborview. Uh, actually, it was a fender bender in the back home watching the Seahawks, you know. And so get the facts so you know how to pray and understand what's going on. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. You know, you guys told me Jerusalem's in trouble, but I want to see for myself. So he gets there and he does it at night, middle of the night. Oh, Nehemiah hops on a horse and he travels around. He examines the walls of Jerusalem. Yeah, they are broken. They are burnt. The wall is gone. There is a big problem. Something needs to be done. And I'm going to speak from a position of knowledge and understanding on it and not just what they told me. 
Now I've seen it with my own eyes, and now I know we can do something. He, he, he wept, and he prayed, and he did something. He, he, he uh, kept on going in the opposition. Now he's getting the facts. And then what does he do? Important thing, share the need with others who care. We're a family. We have brothers and sisters who can come around us and help us in our time of trouble. That's what we're called to do, to encourage one another, to lift one another up. And you don't share with everybody necessarily. If depending on what the issue is, you may share with a really close person who you know will hold that and guard it and, and help you and pray with you and be there with you. So he gets a group of the elders around and he says to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been buried with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. And then look what he did. I told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, awesome, let's get going. Let's begin the good work. But notice what he did. He checked it out and he got some brothers around him. He said, guys, we got to do something about this. Would you join me? Would you pray with me? Would you work together with me? And I want you to know I know God's in this because when I went and talked to the king, he didn't kill me. He gave me wood. He gave me the cavalry. And other people around him said, yeah, we can do this together. And let's begin the good work. And there was uh, encouragement because you don't have to carry the load yourself. The Bible says to bear one another's what? Burdens. Sometimes you've got burdens that are more heavier than you can carry, and sometimes I've got them. So I come along to brother, and he, he helps carry that load. The Bible says carry your own load. You know, there's a certain load we can carry, but when that load gets too heavy, remember that old song? He ain't heavy, he's what? He's my brother. There's times you've got to carry your brother. There's times when someone's hurt and wounded, and you've got to come along, uh, one on each side, and help them walk along together. <laughs> we don't have to do it alone. God's with us, but we got a family. We have brothers and sisters. So they begin the work. Cool, they're going to rebuild the wall. Everything's going to be awesome. And he got some people to help him. He got the high priest. You know, those guys with the big funny hat and, the, and all the robes. Imagine out there, <laughs> Bob with hammer and nails, you know, working away. And, and then uh, he, got, uh, he got the goldsmith and he got the perfume maker. You never know who might help you. What's a perfume maker doing hammering a wall together, Ben? But, you know, if you got two hands, you can lift wood, you can do the wheelbarrow. And then uh, one guy didn't have any sons, so he repaired the section with the help of his daughters, his girls. Come on, girls, let's go do our part to do something to get this problem resolved. And they're all working together. And it says, they rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, halfway up. And the people worked with all their heart. They were working. The wall was going up. It was halfway up. They, had a, they were excited. They worked with all their heart. Things were going good. It looks like it's going to get done. But Zambelot and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the men of Hashar heard about the repairs to the wall, had gone ahead and gaps were being closed, and they were very angry. They plotted together to come to fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble. So right away, the wall's half built. Things are going good. Looks like it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, Tobiah and Sam Bellant and their buddies start harassing the Israelites, trying to rebuild the wall. And meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers giving out, 
There's so much rubble, and we cannot rebuild the wall. They're ready to quit. Have you ever been ready to quit? Ready to give up? Someone said it's always too soon to quit with God because God's not done with you yet. Don't give up. My dad, I prayed for for 40 years or 30 years, and I, I never thought... I'd see him come to Christ two days before he died. I had the privilege of leading him in a prayer to receive Christ into his heart. And he was born again. You could just see the change in him. Two days later, he went to be with Jesus. Don't give up. 30 years, some of you have been praying for sons and daughters situations. Don't give up. God hasn't given up. Sometimes it takes time. And, and Jer- Nehemiah said, let's don't give up. The Bible says, let us not become weary in well-doing for at the proper time or in due season, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. That's Satan. You might as well quit. Just give up. And God says, don't give up. The wall's halfway up. Let's quit now. Anybody can go over the wall. The enemy is after us. Things aren't looking great. Don't give up. Don't give up. He'll take you through. And so Nehemiah encouraged him. He said, let's don't give up. Let's keep on keeping on. And so what did they do? And they took these words from Paul and put them into action. Where Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord, mighty in power. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. Put on the armor of God. Take your stand. Stand up to the devil in Jesus' name. And continue on with God's called you to do. I heard about one old guy who used to pray every day in his prayer. He said, Oh, and oh Lord, remind Satan, if I didn't make him mad today, I'll try better tomorrow. <laughs> make Satan mad. Do something for God. And, and put on the armor of God. Stand strong and let his spirit fill you and lead you. For we do live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. You don't get out AK-47s and tanks. That's how we fight wars in the world. But we get on our knees and pray because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Prayer, the word, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I and you have seen miraculous things happen that never would have happened if we would have gave up. I don't know if my dad would have came to the Lord if I would have gave up. I don't know if that problem you're going to go through is going to get resolved if you give up. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. The Lord is nigh. Don't stop praying. You hear your cry. What God has promised he'll do. So no, stop praying. He loves you. Another old song. So they didn't give up. They kept on, kept on. on. In fact, the soldiers, in fact, I thought I had that slide. Hmm. I thought I had one of them. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I skipped a slide. So from that day on, half the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bowls and armor. And those who carried materials, the guys carrying the bricks and the, and the mud, worked with one hand and held a weapon in the other hand. 
And each of the builders wore his sword at his side. So they're out there building this wall. Half the guys have weapons and shields to protect the other half. And the ones that are working, they're spreading mud to put their bricks. And they've got a sword right here. And it says, those who carried the material worked with one hand and held a weapon the other one. I mean, they knew that there was a battle and they were going to take the battle on, but they were going to get the work done. So while they worked, they equipped themselves and they had the armor of the Lord. They recognized that it wasn't the weapons of the world, but it was by God, but God could protect them. And um, they uh, continued on. And the great thing is, when it's all said and done, God gets the glory. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Eulah. In 52 days, they built this wall. And when our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. They lost their confidence because they realized the work had been done with the help of what? Our God. God gets the glory. When you go through a, a, a problem, a trial, a tribulation, and you come out on the other side, give God the glory. Tell others about it. This is what God has done because that's going to encourage others who are in the middle of problems that God can help them too. And the enemy lost confidence because they saw what God could do. Some of you right now are going through issues, problems, situations. Some of you are dealing with things that have been there for years. Maybe sons and daughters, uh, uh, in rebellion or dealing with issues, don't give up. Weep when it's time to weep. Pray when it's time to pray. Do what you can do. Don't let the opposition of the enemy get you down because God has promised to take you through. And in the darkness of the moment, don't forget what he showed you in the light. And when God takes you through the other side, give God the glory. How many of you have been through issues where God's taking you through and brought you out on the other side? I mean, so many times. Some of you are in the middle of the issue right now, and we're here to stand with you. So I'm going to have the worship team come on up, but I want to pray <clears throat> right now. Never just bow your head for a moment. Anybody here right now that's dealing with a problem or issue, um, we're here with you. We're going to pray with you. And if you are, just, um, just slip up your hand and, and I'll, I'll pray for you right now. I see those hands, lots of hands, lots of hands. It's, it's part of life. It's part of the struggle, but you're not alone. You got people around you in this place who love you and will go to the nth degree to help you through whatever issue you're going through. Some of you have been fighting it for a long time. Don't give up. God's there. He's the answer. He's always been. Lord, right now, you see these hands. You see lives that are dealing with issues, trials, problems. But Lord, you're bigger than all of them. And you can make a way. So we stand with our brothers and sisters right now. We lift part of that burden that they're carrying and we take it our, on us 
and we intercede in prayer. And I expect and believe that we will hear a testimony of how you've brought them through and they'll be able to stand and say, God gets the glory and he has shown himself mighty. Help them not to give up. Help them not to be discouraged. When darkness is all around, remember all the darkness of the world can't put out the light of Christ. Lord, encourage each heart. Help them to find someone to share that with them, not keep it to themselves. Others who can come around. Others who care. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family. It really is love here. It really is real here. We don't have to pretend we're not hurting. When we're hurting, we're hurting. But in the midst of that hurt, you're there. And we're here for each other. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.